Well, welcome to Grace. Thanks for joining us online. It's good to see you. And thanks again for taking the time to be a part of these conversations. We've been in a series that we're going to keep thinking ahead with called Stops Along the Way. And uh, the conversation that we've been having here these over the course of this series is a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus and also kind of how we get our head and our heart around who Jesus is and who he's called us to be. We're watching the disciples do this, right? So especially those 12, we're watching them kind of get exposed to new aspects of how Jesus thinks, uh, how he would process something, what it means to be a part of the what he calls the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And we're watching them kind of soak that up. And as they stop along the way, they see something, Jesus says something, he leans into something. And we're watching this kind of like dawn on them. The lights come on a little bit. And we know that the end outcome is they give their lives fully to know and to understand him. So we want to take that same journey. So if you're kind of jumping into the middle of this, there's podcasts, there's other episodes here on the web, there's things there on the app, just catch all that. And me color in that picture of who Jesus is for you. And maybe you want to help somebody else do that too. This is a great time to like share uh, that we're talking together here, share that the messages are on, or maybe send these, these, uh, these conversations to friends and family, others who have these same kind of questions about who Jesus is and what he's like. Uh, what I want to do in this conversation is I want to look at a pattern. And so I'm going to Bible nerd on you a little bit. So if you don't have a Bible with you, this may be a great time to like pause and go grab one real quick, right? So get a Bible or use things there on the app on your phone or even just look it up on the internet. But I'd love for you to kind of follow along because we're going to see something that Jesus does. And what we're going to see him do is we're going to see him really drive something home to his disciples, okay? So let's kind of catch up to where we're at a little bit. Uh, Jesus and his disciples kind of hung out together for about three years. That was the window of Jesus's public ministry. The first year and a half, a lot of this is like just him introducing them to things like his deity. So he'll do miracles, he'll cast demons out, things like that. He's also introducing them to his heart. You see the compassion, the mercy of Jesus, that kind of stuff. We're about halfway through their interaction with each other chronologically, about 18-ish months in or so. And what Jesus starts to do now is lean into the cost of discipleship. He really starts to look at his disciples and he basically is saying, guys, this is what it means to follow me. And, and the, the plan is not just that things are awesome and everybody's happy and all of your dreams come true. There's like this bigger plan at place. There's the plan of God, the purpose of God, and that's in place. And that's actually what I'm here to execute on. And he basically starts to ask the question, are you here to do that with me? Is that what you're thinking? Are you thinking in the same way that I'm thinking? Or have you brought your preloaded definitions with you to so that you're kind of making me who you want me to be. Jesus is going to start to lean into this really, really hard. 
and you're going to see him press this point. He's going to look at them and he's going to say, I'm here to do this. And if you actually want to be my follower, that's what that, this is what that means. This is the definition of what following me means. So I want you to see this. And we're going to work through a, a couple chapters of scripture. Like I said, we're going to kind of like Bible nerd here a little bit in this, this conversation. But you'll see that this pattern jumps out really, really clearly. And then we'll talk about what that means to you and me. So we're going to pick up where we left off last time. Last time we talked, we were in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus does something fascinating in Matthew chapter 16. Kind of for the first time, he predicts or he tells his disciples that he's going to die. He's not just going to like take over the government and rule and reign and make them like his, his cronies. But he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to offer his life. This is the way he says it. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and raised to life. So he's introducing this idea to them that this is the plan of God, that we're going to Jerusalem not to take over the government, not to straighten everybody out, not to drain the swamp, but I'm going to go there. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. It's going to lead to my resurrection. That's the plan. Now, he lays this out, and then right after that, he looks at his disciples, and he basically says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to be on, in on this plan, because this is the plan. If you're following me, this is where I'm going. So he says this, he begins to introduce the idea that you must deny self. This is not what can I do for you. This is you following me. So you got to deny self. He says it this way. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so we, we looked at this a lot in our last conversation. And Jesus, he, he's, like I said, he's about halfway through that three-year period. And he's laying this out for his disciples. And he's saying, fellas, the plan is not me being a rock star. The plan is not me running for president. The plan is not me being Santa Claus and making everybody's dreams come true. I have come to give my life. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And if you want to be my disciple, then that's kind of what you do too. If you want to be like me, that's what I'm doing. So if you want to be like me, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, you follow me, you lose your life. And he lays that idea out for, for kind of the first time in scripture. Now, that's the first time he does it. Chronologically then in the Bible, we would move to Mark chapter 9. So think of the first instance of Jesus doing that. I'm going to give my life. You're going to have to deny yourself. The second time that he does that, it's kind of like a, a few days later, a week later, right? He does it again. The second time in Mark chapter 9, he predicts his death again. He says, this is what I'm going to do. This time he says it this way. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men they will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. 
So he basically says the exact same thing he said in Matthew chapter 16. He says it again, guys, I am going to suffer and I am going to die. And right after he says this, he again says, you've got to deny yourself. He says it a second time. He says it this way, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anybody who wants to be first must be the very last and the very servant of all. So he says it a second time. I'm going to go, I'm going to lay my life down, and if you want to be my follower, you want to be my disciple, then you're going to lay your life down like I lay my life down. You're going to deny yourself. First shall be last, last shall be first, and you're going to be the servant to all. Now catch this. A third time Jesus comes in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, and he says, again, he repeats himself again, so to say. He says, guys, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. He says it this way, this time. He says, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. He's looking again, and he's saying, I, I want you to get your head around this, because they're wrestling with it, right? It's a foreign concept. I want you to get your head around this. You must deny yourself. So twice, I'm going to lay my life down. Three times now, you must deny yourself. Ready? A third time, he talks about his death again. This is a pattern. Another time, a third time, he says it this way, again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going to go to Jerusalem, he said, and Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him, and three days later he will, he will rise. So three times, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay my life down. Three times, if you want to be my disciple, this is what you do. You lay your life down. Ready? Then a fourth time, he leans into this whole idea. Mark chapter 10, verse 43, he says again to his disciples, you have to be willing to deny yourself. He says, not so with you. It's not about who's first, who's last, who's getting the most perks. That's not the way that my followers think. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. And then a fourth time, he predicts or talks about his death. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right? Now, I'm no genius, <laughs> but this is a pattern, and all of this happens within two chapters of the Scripture. So at this point in his relationship with the disciples, he's walking his disciples through. They're getting their head around him for 18 months. They hit this pivot point. And Jesus almost presses pause and says, guys, listen, you have got to understand this. I am going to lay my life down. I am going to suffer and die. All those other ideas that you have about what you thought I was going to do or what I should do or what you hoped I would do, just put them out of your mind. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And if you want to be my disciple, 
what my disciples do is deny themselves, deny themselves, deny themselves, deny themselves. I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give my life. You're going to give your life, you're going to give your life, you're going to give your life, you're going to give your life. I deny myself, deny myself, deny myself, deny myself. My followers act like me. They deny themselves, they deny themselves, they deny themselves, they deny themselves. And Jesus has leaned in and pressed this point deeply into the heart and into the mind of his disciples, right? Now, why? Why? Because he's not mad, right? He's not mad. He's not like, I told you, you gotta deny. That's not, that's not what's going on here. He is pushing this truth into their heart because he knows that this truth is foreign. The, the idea that I exist for God, God doesn't exist for me, and that God's power and God's deity and God's might is being used to accomplish his eternal purposes, not my earthly purposes, is a foreign concept to me. Because as a human being, my world starts with me and goes out. And Jesus is looking and saying, not, not so with you. If you are my disciple, then your world starts with me and goes out. You empty yourself. You deny yourself. Instead of first, you're last. You're a servant to all. You're a slave to all. You lay your life down. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I didn't come to glean and gain life, but to give my life as a ransom for many. If you want to be like me, this is the way that that functions and what that looks like. And Jesus knew that for his disciples to truly understand his heart and his mind, that they had to unplug every idea that they had about self. They had to put away or put to death or deny every idea that they have about self-promotion, self-gratification, self-determination, self-fulfillment, self-actualization, self-interest, personal authority, personal gain. He knew that this idea that I die to myself, I put myself aside, was such a foreign idea to a human being that he had to drill it and drill it and drill it and drill it and drill it to get it to take hold. There are very, very few ideas that Jesus introduces that are more radical than this. That my calling, that my relationship with God is not built on what God can do for me, but it's built on God's empowerment of me to empty myself of myself. That, that perhaps the most powerful thing God does in my life is help me get over myself. For me as a human being, Jeff included, obviously, for me as a human being, to not be infatuated with myself is impossible outside of supernatural intervention on Jesus' behalf. 
because by na it's the very nature of who I am that I will put my self-interest above the interests of others, that I will trust myself, I will trust my own truth, I will trust my own opinion, that I will serve myself, that I will promote myself, that, that I will pursue my hopes, dreams, desires, and goals above all else. And Jesus would come in and say, listen, here's a very, very radical teaching for you. I am God. I am God who is the only one worthy to be the center of his own universe. And I'm not choosing to do that. I am choosing to deny myself, to suffer, to die, to give my life as a ransom for many, to be persecuted and tormented and mocked at the hands of my own creation. That is my heart and my mind. If you want to see the clearest picture of Jesus' heart and mind, look to the cross. It's Jesus kind of in his, his purest form, so to say. And he ties that concept to his disciples and says, listen, if you want to be like me, you're going to look like that. The denial of yourself is what causes you to reflect me. You're acting and talking and thinking and loving and being motivated the most closely to me when you deny yourself in the manner that I did. This path of self-denial has really become foreign in our culture. Not only is it, is it kind of against our human instinct, it, it's very much against our cultural instinct. Uh, this idea that I would set aside my desires, my hopes, my dreams, my opinion, my interests, my, to, that I would not try to be the best me that I could be, that I wouldn't just, you know, you do you. I would, that idea that I would put all that aside and lay my life down and be a servant or a slave to all is a very, very foreign idea in our culture. You're not going to find that taught anywhere, right? You're not going to find that taught in school. You're not going to read books about that. There's not a lot of like things that you can Google, five points to denying oneself. That's not going to show up anywhere in our culture, and it's not going to show up in our natural instinct. But Jesus would say, that is what a true follower of his seeks to become. And the truth of the matter is this. If I am unwilling to deny myself, then I'm going to be unable to live the life that Christ calls me to live. I can live the life I want to live. I can live the life that would kind of function cleanly and neatly in my culture, but I'll be unable to live the, the life that Christ calls me to live. Self-denial is the fundamental key and the trigger for all forms of godly success. If I want to have godly success in any way, then I have to be willing to deny myself. Why? Because self-denial is the foundation of love. If I'm not willing to deny myself, 
then I'm going to be unable to love God and my neighbor. It's impossible. I have to die to myself in order to truly love someone else. So the Bible would say, for instance, that love is patient. I cannot be patient while I'm clamoring for control. Can't do it. The only way for me to be patient is to deny myself, my hopes, my dreams, my expectations, my rights, my control. Unless I deny myself, I can't even embrace the concept of patience, see? Uh, the Bible would say things like love is, uh, uh, is, is driven by things like forgiveness. I cannot forgive you if I will not deny myself. My, my instinct is going to be to even a score. You do this to me, I do this to you, now we're even. Well, that's not the concept of forgiveness at all. That's the concept of retaliation or restitution. Forgiveness is rooted in this idea that I am giving to you something that I have to give to you. You've hurt me, you've wounded me, you've done whatever. You cannot make that whole. Even if you wanted to, you cannot make that whole. So I want to forgive you. I want to release you of that. I cannot do that unless I have chosen to deny myself. Even concepts like contentment. Contentment, the key to contentment is actually self-denial. I cannot be content unless I've decided that I'm going to be fulfilled and happy with things I don't have that I want. Unless I say no to my wants, even my needs and desires, I can never have that contentment. It is the key, it is the root of all that. My worship of God, I can't worship God unless I deny self, because my instinct is to worship self. Generosity, I cannot be generous in the spiritual definition of the word without self-denial. Because I, I can, if I'm generous in the worldly sense of it, I give something, you put my name on the building, and I didn't, I'm not really generous, I just bought myself a monument. I bought myself a tax deduction. See? Biblical generosity is that nobody even knows what I'm doing. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. I, I'm, just, I'm just moving God's resources through me into someone else for the purposes of God's kingdom. I cannot do that if I will not deny myself. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, listen, guys, you, you, you cannot come to me with a pre-described definition of who I am, asking me to do everything that you want me to do, being upset with me if I don't do it, and consider yourself to be my disciple. I am going to do this. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it four times. For you to participate in what I'm doing and to even reap the, the benefit of the life change that would come from it, you have to deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself. And as you die to yourself, 
you come alive in me, as you put other people's interests above your own, as you live at peace with all men, as you love your enemies, right? as you love your neighbor as yourself, as you die to self, then the power and the wonder and the completeness of what I was doing and what I did on the cross will start to play out. The power of the resurrection is how Paul says it, will start to play out in your life. But if you look at the power of the resurrection and say, that's a power that I want to self-benefit me. Man, Jesus is really God. That's great. Look, he rose again from the dead. If he can resurrect himself, then he can, he can do this for me and that for me and the other thing for me. And Jesus would look and say, no, if he is willing to die to himself, then as his followers, I am willing to follow in his example of love, mercy, grace, sacrifice, and self-denial. It's a powerful and a radical and a foreign teaching that Jesus knows his disciples are going to struggle with. Now, I want to put some kind of handles on this for you because, because I think we wrestle with this. I think sometimes when we think about self-denial, uh, you know, we think about like vows of poverty and we think about living in a monastery somewhere and things like that. And I, I, that's not what Jesus is necessarily driving at. What he's looking at us is saying, listen, my disciples are something different. And because you're something different, the ways of the world, the values of the world, the prospects of the world, the functions of the world are not the things that, that define you. And many times what we're trying to do, what, we, what we're tempted to do in our humanity is we're tempted to bring Jesus' deity into our humanity to elevate our humanity. Where Jesus would look and say, why don't you take my deity and use the power of my deity for you to become something completely different, right? So how would this play out in, in real life? Let me give you an example of this. S lack of self-denial is, is the foundation of all conflict, okay? So I have an opinion, I have a will, I have a desire, I have a truth, you have an opinion, you have a will, you have a desire, you have a truth. My opinion, will, truth conflicts with yours. And when those two things conflict, all it becomes is a tension. We're just going to bounce off of each other. This is, this is what happens in our world today. I think this, I think this. Well, I believe it's this way. My truth is this. Well, I'm mad at her about this. She's mad at me about this. My roommate's upset about this. Well, I think this. And so I have me and me. And when me and me collide, all there is is conflict. There's no change. There's no advancement. There's no healing. There's no forgiveness. There, there's no you know, cultivation of wisdom. Nothing like that. There's just tension and conflict. And this tension and conflict just clangs together. It's just what it does. It just clangs. And this sounds a lot like our world right now. This sounds a lot like maybe your relationship with your mom and dad right now. This is your relationship with your roommate right now. This is your relationship in your marriage right now. This is what that sounds like in your heart. 
I want, but I want. Let's fight it out. Jesus looks and says, if you're wanting to bring me into you, what you're going to wind up is with this, with Bible verses attached. Well, God said, God told me, God showed me, I had a vision. I think God says, I think if you try to bring me into a version of you, you just wind up with this, with Bible verses attached. Jesus would look and say, I, I'm not trying to transform this. I'm not trying to make you a stronger hammer. I'm not trying to make you a clearer hammer. I'm not trying to give you a social media platform so you can be the, the hammer with the most coverage. I'm not here to transform this. And I'm not here to like strike this down because that's the idea. God, we have this, we want this. Make us so big that we can like crush this one. Smite them, strike them, do something. Move them to Michigan. Like do something, God. Jesus would say, what I'm showing you is that they are this and you are something completely different and new. Right? They're a hammer made of steel and you are something like water. Imagine that there's a, a bucket of water in front of me. If I take this hammer and I hit that water, the water doesn't even care that I hit it. Let's imagine that we're standing beside a river that's flowing. And I take the hammer and I hit that river as hard as I could possibly hit that river. That river doesn't care. Why? Because that river isn't a hammer. It's not built to react to me. It's something new, something completely different. You can hit a river with a hammer as far as hard and as many times as you want. And that river will just absorb that blow. It'll flow around that blow. It'll ignore that blow. And if you're not careful, you'll finally just wear out and drop your hammer and it'll just be absorbed into the river. Jesus didn't come to change us or to make us stronger, make our arguments clearer. And that's what the disciples were asking. They're like, Jesus, you know, you, you're going to knock out the Romans. You're going to knock out the Jewish leaders. You're going to make it. Jesus would look and say, no, I'm going to die. And I'm going to raise to life again. You deny yourself, follow me. Because what this hammer does to this river what this hammer does to the church, what this hammer does to a believer, what this hammer does to me is inconsequential. What do I care? I'm not motivated by that. The first shall be last. They, the hammer doesn't even understand that concept. Uh, you're going to be enslaved to all men, a servant to all. The hammer doesn't even understand that concept. Uh, I'm, I, I came not to be served, but to serve. The hammer doesn't even know what you're talking about. I am something different. See. How do you bring about peace in your marriage? Well, one of you has to act like a river. <laughs> you deny yourself. 
How do you bring about peace in your relationship with your mom and dad? Well, you deny it. Instead of, I want, I can't believe, and I'm going to, you deny it. One of you is a, one of you is a, a river. You don't engage in the conflict in the first place. It's not the rules by which we function. See? And this concept, when, when you're born and raised a hammer, for Jesus to look at his disciples and say, guys, everything you've ever known is the hammer. I'm not a hammer. Because when you're a hammer, you think other people are hammers is what you're used to. I'm not that at all. I'm something completely different. And the math on this is going to be completely different. And the outcome is going to be completely different. And the approach is completely different. And if you want to be like me, because I'm not going to be like you, then you act like, talk like, think like, love like, be motivated like me, well, I function as a river, not a hammer. So your path to that is to deny yourself. Well, I want patience, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. I want all that. Okay, none of that works unless you deny yourself. Well, I want, I want true love and a Christ-centered marriage, and yeah, none of that works unless you deny yourself. I want, I want an, an inner happiness and a deeper success. All right, all that actually starts with denying yourself. I want, I want to be the best friend that I can possibly be. That's just a, okay, well, that's wonderful. You have to deny yourself. You have to be willing to be something different. See? And every time that you take hold of your rights and you take control of who you are, you become something that's not me. I, fellas, disciples, listen, I'm going to suffer and die. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be mocked, I'm gonna be sped upon, I'm gonna be beaten, and I'm going to bleed out on the cross. That's what I'm going to do. All right? That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to raise again in three days because I'm not a hammer. There's a whole different set of rules that apply to me. And if you want to be like me, if you want to be like me, not me like you, you like me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Lose your life and come and follow me. Jesus, would you help us with this? Lord, I'm convinced it's one of the hardest truths that we encounter in Scripture. It does not make sense. It's backwards to all of our instincts. Would you in these still moments show us places in our lives, Lord, where we do not deny ourselves, we elevate ourselves, we fight for our position. And God, through your Holy Spirit, would you bring about an awareness, an understanding of humility? Would you let us kind of, kind of emblaze in us an image of you on the cross and how you laid your life down and what you gave your life for? Make us into something different, God. Use us in a different way, Jesus, in your name. Amen.